This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. This week, we are dissecting 1988's Cheerleader Camp, directed by John Quinn. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Bea and I have been busy. So busy. Yeah, I feel like I do something every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wake up, I do life. Yeah, well... Make the bean water. Yeah, make the bean water, exactly. Do the things. Um, no, we, so, let's see. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff that I have coming up. Um, I can officially announce, actually, that I am going to be in a documentary, uh, called Oh the Horror. Um, today I got a message from my friend and, um, one of, like, I guess, you know, kind of, like, co-workers in the field of horror journalism, Jerry Smith, and... Um, he informed me that Tony Newton, who is an independent filmmaker, is working on a documentary called Oh, the, Hor- oh, the Horror that's kind of just examining like horror journalists' um, observations about the genre in general. And it's kind of just um, really going over like what they love about it, from everything from movies to the community involved, um, and then kind of diving into horror as a genre as well. So um, that's exciting. And that was news that I was able to announce today, which by the time you hear this will have been like three days ago, two days ago. So it's already up on, on my social media. Uh, so there's like that going on and I've pitched a bunch of articles to a bunch of different places that I don't want to throw out into the ether yet because I I got fingers crossed and I got to interview Chelsea Stardust and Grady Hendrix. So like a bunch of exciting stuff has happened. Um, and Ryan's living a real fancy life these days. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Real man about town. Yeah, I know. Over the phone, really. Just 15-minute interviews in my car. Because I'm usually at work when they set up the interview. They just send you a time, they're like, the, does this work? And I'm like, can I really say no? So I'm like, yep. So I just take my 10 when they call. And I sit in my car. And it's been so hot lately, and I don't turn the AC on because I can't hear. And I have to transcribe these freaking things later. So I, like sit in my car for 10 to 15 minutes and I end out like I end up getting out of my car always looking like I was just in a sauna um especially the Grady one because Chelsea's was 10 minutes and the one I got to do with Richard Brake was 10 minutes but Grady's was 15 but it actually ran closer to 20 and by the time like I was wrapping up the interview I was like well Grady I know you got a lot of a lot of people you got to talk to today I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule because uh, it's just so damn hot but yeah real fancy stuff <laughs> Um, B and I both went to the Nevada City Film Festival last weekend. Yeah, so it is a film festival that happens in Nevada City, California, which is in sort of the Sierra foothills. It's about um, a little over an hour north of Sacramento. Um, it's uh, for people who are familiar with Reno. It's about an hour and a half south of that. Um, really, really gorgeous place. Um, a cute little touristy town. Um, one of my best friends and business partner lives up there. And uh, our graphic design firm, Team V, was um, hired to do all of their 
digital marketing this for their film festival this year, which was really amazing. So their um, creative director is Rich Good. He's actually um, a band member of the Psychedelic Furs. Um, he's also what? You didn't their, tell me that. Yeah, That's he's rad. also their creative director. He's insanely talented on many levels. So what he does is uh, he created the gorgeous poster and sort of branding for the film, and we kind of deconstructed that and created an entire campaign out of it. And it actually, we just wrapped it up. The last day of the fest is today, so like all of our posts are just wrapping up. Um, it was a long month of work, um, but it was super awesome to be a part of it, and it's an awesome festival to, you know, be able to work for, too, because they champion short films. Um, that's sort of what they're famous for. They do have features, um, and they actually <clears throat> did a couple more features than normal this year. But uh, their, like, bread and butter is highlighting short films, and they put together these programs of... So they'll have, like, an adventure program, and it'll be short films that sort of fit that type of theme of... So they had adventure and... Um, breaking gender norms and animation and um, all these different sort of program themes and I love that because short films are so important they give such a voice and an uh, outlet to creators who you know don't have the means to make feature films Mm -hmm. Um, they're often um, just a path to greater things Mm -hmm. um and then, but besides that, short films are a beautiful storytelling device, and I don't think they get the recognition they should. Um, so it was really awesome to be part of that film festival. It was really awesome. We went for two days, so we went this last week, and we went Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday we caught, um, oh my God, Card, Card Mine. Carmine. Yeah, Carmine Street Guitars, which was a documentary about a um, little mom-and-pop shop in New York City that specializes in custom handmade guitars specifically made from wood from old buildings in New York City. Um, it's a little funny, like the the filming style. The, the documentarians decided to not be involved, and so they kind of staged some of the questions, which are a little... They take you out of it a little. They're they, pretty they, funny. They're, they're forced. Yeah, they're super tell. forced. Yeah. Um, where I wish if they would have just asked the questions or the documentarians would have been more involved in the film and did it that style, it would have been a little bit more organic. That's my only complaint. An amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um, had some really great musicians on there playing the guitar. Super cool. Um, and then we watched Satanic Panic. Um, which I'm sure most of our listeners are very familiar with at this point. It just premiered in LA last weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, We were, we got to see it um, in Nevada city. It's been at a few festivals. It comes out the ninth, I believe. Uh, Six, September 6th. It's hitting. Oh, nine, six. Yeah. Yeah. It's doing a a one day theater theatrical release and you can find that. um, I believe it's on both BNI's like Twitter. It's on the ghastly grinning Instagram. It's on my Instagram. Uh, a couple different, I mean, any if you just look it up, it's on, you know, Fangoria's website. Um, it's doing one day, and then it's also hitting VOD September 6th. Um, so you'll be able to, if you don't have one of those, I think it's like 30 different theaters that are showing it, um, you can definitely still watch it on VOD. It's directed by Chelsea Stardust, um, who has, uh, she's, she used to work for Jason Blum, and she was a uh, like a production assistant for him. And then she decided she wanted to get into filmmaking, so she really, you know, kind of took it upon herself to 
um, get into that world. And uh, her story is really inspiring. If you ever go listen to her uh, interview with Shock, yeah, it's with mm-hmm. Shock, um, or um, not Shock, uh, yeah, Shockwaves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really cool story because she decided that she needed to learn more about the industry so she like took a really big chance from this like very big position with Blumhouse and like branched out and started being like an assistant director and an assistant for people like Ivan Reitman and Judd Apatow um and she is you know a like a personal favorite of ours kind of now um we've just like I've been fortunate enough to meet Chelsea and she's just like the biggest sweetheart um a very genuine person and just incredibly talented um she did the Hulu Into the Dark, uh, All That We Destroy. Mother's which, Day one. Yeah, which is their Mother's Day segment, which we actually reviewed for Ghastly Grinning, so you can find her review online, um, which was a really, you know, those are all small budget, um, and it's a really well done uh, story, like kind of sci-fi horror thriller. Uh, Israel Roussard from Happy Death Day is in it. Uh, very interesting story, but super well done. And then Satanic Panic, I mean, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to go super into it because we're hoping to do our first like bonus episode covering a movie that's not a slasher. We're trying to line up with Chelsea now, like an interview, fingers crossed, uh, because, I mean, she's very busy right now with like the movie launching, but hopefully we will find some time. Um, she's definitely, she wants to. Uh, but it was a really cool experience to go out there and see it on a big screen, to see it with our friends. Um, the producer, uh, Amanda Presmick, was there, um, and she is producer for Cinestate and Fingoria, because Cinestate owns Fingoria. Um, so she's worked on projects like um, Bone Tom, or she, no, Bone Tom, I was right before she was there. Uh, Standoffice, Railroad Creek, and... Um, Dragon Cross Concrete. Dragon Cross Concrete, yeah. Those are like two of the bigger ones that she has got to work on. Um, and she was fantastic too. Mm-hmm. So that was our Sunday. We actually went back out and were able to meet with her at like kind of the filmmakers' lunch, and we seriously talked to her for like five hours, and it was just a really eye-opening, very interesting experience. And then just really cool too because it wasn't all about film; it was about like life and stuff too. We just got to know her on a more personal level, which was really super awesome. So it was a super like super fun weekend. Yeah, it's not, unfortunately, because of where Rye and I are located, even though we're, you know, obviously extremely passionate about film, we don't get to go to a lot of festivals, a lot of conventions, they just don't really make their way up here, Um, and so it was just really nice for us not only to be able to go to a film festival, because we're fans of film in general, just not horror, but then to have happen to have like a horror feature from a director we were familiar with that um you know I really enjoyed her into the dark um movie like Ryan said he had met her so she's like sort of been extra on our radar lately um we both um you know really like this style of horror so it was just felt sort of like the stars aligned for us to have this opportunity i was working for the festival so i found out about it like before it even got announced so it was all yeah it was pretty great um it was nice that we had something sort of up in norcal that wasn't you know we didn't have to go down south for it was really nice to just be surrounded by like-minded people who just love film yeah and it's one of those things that 
makes me wish I was closer to SoCal because yeah. it's definitely like it's an experience we crave for sure. Yeah, we go like, oh, I want to do that this weekend. Yeah. You know? Oh my god, I know so many things, and it's yeah. something too that sometimes you like put off because it's been so long since you've done something. And then it happens, you're like, oh, I forgot how much I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great experience. And, I mean, just big props to Chelsea Stardust. Again, we're going to talk more about the movie on a bonus episode. Yeah. So we're not going to dive into it now. Yeah, but no it's... matter what, we'll put that episode out. Hopefully yes. we get Chelsea on it. Yeah. Um, and if not, though, we will um, be putting that out around the time that it releases on yeah. VOD. So you guys can hear what our thoughts are. Yeah. And we can go into the sort of insanity that Hopefully, it is. like end of, like somewhere mid or end of September. Um, outside of that, I mean, I've watched a bunch. I just hand-selected two real quick to talk about because they're, like, the more significant ones. Um, B and I are both chronic rewatchers. Uh, we talk about a lot on the podcast. Our friend Brennan, friend slash producer Brennan, calls us out all the time because he he's like, I can't imagine ever rewatching movies like you guys do because, I mean... I think we do rewatch movies probably more than anyone I know. And we have newer, like, our friend Kate doesn't rewatch movies. Um, I have a lot of But she doesn't really watch movies. That's the thing. So she watches TV and she rewatches TV. That's true. So she's just not a big movie person. Yeah. I am a huge television person. I am a big movie person. And I am a massive rewatcher no matter what it is. Yeah, both. Yeah, Yeah, me too, for sure. And, like... I there is just so much content out there uh, especially now and then there are a lot of like blind spots you know and I think definitely kind of inspired by B's like whole action like going through the action movies then when she did that and also just trying trying to fill in some of those like gaps I'm trying not not to rewatch things too which is proving difficult but I did watch Akira which is uh, probably the most famous anime ever made it's by Katsuhiro Otuma um, it was released in the 80s uh, that movie's incredible. It's crazy that a movie made that long ago, the animation stands up as well as it does. It's hard to explain. I mean, Akira's basically about... Um, it's like Tokyo is blown off the face of the planet in World War Three, and then Neo-Tokyo's built. But you find out like when Tokyo... The reason Tokyo is destroyed is because there are these creatures called espers, or not creatures, they're like humans with extra powers and the one named akira is a very powerful um uh like psychokinetic um being and then there's a one of the main characters in akira develops the same powers and it's kind of just about like how he's about to do what akira did wiping off like tokyo off the face of the planet it's a hardcore body horror movie which is super weird and unexpected like there is a lot of like it's hype it's like really really violent hyper violence um it it's kind of a like a it's really a story about friendship and then it turns into like um like Cronenberg would be jealous type body horror movie at the end like to the point where I was like this is gross and I don't want to watch it anymore um like that's how body horror it gets I was like ew this is disgusting which I didn't know I'd always known I was like it gets brought up obviously a lot but like especially with like kind of in the superhero realm or like sci-fi realm uh did not realize like it's a full-on body horror movie at the end so it's on Hulu right now um and it's it's dubbed or subtitled so if you I mean I watched it dubbed um, most of the time I prefer subtitles, but I know it's one of the better dubs, so I, I went ahead and did that one. And then I watched Magic Mike. 
Um, so, directed by Steven Soderbergh, Magic Mike is, of course, the movie about strippers starring Channing Tatum, Alex Pettifer, Joe Manganiello. Movie I mean, about everyone. Strippers. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, it's basically about strippers. It's about Channing Tatum. No, it is, but is that. I mean, yeah, I guess they're, is that what they're called? Strippers? Or they call themselves strippers. Yeah, they yeah. very much own it. Yeah, they're male strippers. Yeah, um, they don't call themselves like exotic dancers. I Maybe a couple true. times, but, but like, they're but they don't go. They're not like the type of strippers who like go to back rooms and stuff like that. They're I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, floor. no, they're definitely doing like dances, like synchron, like, um, like choreographed choreographed dances with like outfits and stuff. Synchronized dances. Yeah, that's different. Um, no, I mean they like there's numerous times where like we're the cock kings of Tampa Bay, so. Um, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I just don't, maybe there's another term for, I don't know. They're so, exotic dancers. Yeah, so listen, like, I had never seen this movie. I'd known about it, obviously, and, um, I, I mean, there's no reason I hadn't seen it. Trust me, I'm not one of those guys that I'm like, oh, male strippers, I don't need to watch this. Like, that's, I don't give a fuck, obviously. And, uh, I just hadn't got around to it. And... I was kind of blown away when I looked at how much money it did make. Because I was like, that's a lot of money for a movie that's about strippers. I mean, I think I actually saw it twice in theaters. Uh, it's fantastic. It's if you haven't good. seen it, it's on Netflix right now. It is so really Channing super Tatum's good. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I get it. Like, <laughs> I watched that movie and there's so... I get no. it. No. Okay. So I've always liked Channing Tatum. I have. Like, yeah. I like everything. He's very likable. He um, And he's a fun actor. Like... I th- I still I still think his like comedic timing is underappreciated because he's fantastic in the Jump Street oh, movies. So good. Um, I really like him like throughout like throughout. I've never had a problem with him. I've never thought he's like the most attractive person. I've always uh-huh. been like, oh, he's like chiseled. Like until like, you see this movie. Yes, and then yeah. you see this movie. There's a part in the movie where he's like mad and he comes out and he does like a hip hop dance while he's mad. It's the sexiest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I I mean I straight up was just like oh. Yeah. Like, this is really so attractive. So that's why he's, yeah, he's one of those weird, it's because he's such a good dancer. That's what makes him attractive. Mm-hmm. So I, he's like Step Up. I mean, that was like his big break, right? Right, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I haven't oh, seen Step Up or Step Up. Yeah, how to watch it. So yeah, my best friend Claire and I used to watch that movie. She was a dancer. So she loved dance movies. She, fuck, she used to watch that movie Honey, which I was not a fan of like a million times. But finally, Step Up came out, I think, like, around the time we become friends, like, in eighth grade. And, oh, my God, we used to watch it over and over and over and over. So, anytime Channing Tatum is dancing, I'm, like, full-blown, yes, yes, yes. This movie made me not only miss him in movies, because he hasn't been in much lately. No. Um, it made me, like, immediately be, like, bring him back dancing <laughs> like, yeah, i want to see him dancing he's dancing really good yeah. really really good um also it's beautifully filmed steven yeah. soderbergh like i love how eclectic his awesome filmography is cast. oh the yeah the ensemble's great i mean you got you know your big names like tatum and matthew mcconaughey but then you get your joe manginello and your uh, matt bomer and you know like all those all those guys in there um olivia munn's in it it's re- it's a really good cast <laughs> uh but again beautifully filmed there was like there were shots in this movie where i was like this is such a like insanely greatly composed shot in a movie insanely about strippers. Greatly. Yeah, that's how good it is. Yeah. Um, but in, and then you're like, and this is a movie about loosely based on Channing Tatum stripping when he was 18 years old in Tampa Bay. Tampa. Yep. Um, dude, Florida man. Oh, dude, Florida. Yeah. Always. No, I every time I see a movie and something like that happens, I'm like, no way. And then they're like, it's Florida. I'm like, oh, All okay. Right. Spring Breakers? I'm like, yeah, I get Anything's it. possible in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's what I watch. And then yeah. B watched every movie ever made, apparently. Yeah, so 
I got in a Twitter discussion with Brennan about my habitual rewatching because I didn't know that on Letterboxd, like I've never, I'm new to using it. Um, it's a website where you can log your films um, and it has like a social aspect. You can rate them, write reviews, like follow people's lists, all this stuff. But it's really great for keeping track of what you've seen and what you want to see. Um, so I can like reference it and be like, oh yeah, what's that movie I was wanting to watch? Anyhow, I didn't know or think to ever log movies that I'd ever seen. I only log things that are new to me. And Brennan had posted this tweet about, oh, these are, in the last five years, these are the movies I've seen the most. And the most he had seen a movie over a five-year period was six times. And I was like, you gotta be fucking me. That's not possible. Like, there is no way in a span, that means, like, you would only watch a film once a year, and then one year you get it in twice. I mean... We watch, like, Scream four times a year, probably. Oh, On a pro- small side. Probably. Yeah. The whole series, for sure. Yeah. I can't... I could not tell you. There's a variety of films. But just during the month of December, I probably watched the movie The Holiday seven or eight times. Just because I can only watch it in December. So I really love that movie, so I watch it a lot. I just... I don't know. It baffles me. So I was like, man, this is why, like... Brennan has this incredible, mm-hmm. like... Why he's seen everything. Why he's seen every movie. Because he doesn't ever rewatch things. And I'm like, fuck, what am I doing with my life? So I was like, all right, I'm going to challenge myself. And I'm going to only watch things I haven't seen. And it is fucking hard. Holy... You just... The thing about it that I've realized is that especially when it comes to, like, going to bed or something like that. I want something that I know how it's going to make me feel. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be surprised. So if I can go into the movie knowing that it's the right feel, then it, then it works and I can chug along and watch things. But if I, if I'm not sure if it's going to have, and that's for me with horror, it's often, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I don't know how the vibes are going to be because it's really hard to tell from posters and synopsis and trailers exactly what the movie vibes are so I compromised and I was in sort of like a thriller vibe so I just watched a fucking lot of thrillers Mm -hmm. and it was really easy to do because they all had a very similar feeling it was very safe um so just quickly I watched 91 sleeping with enemy with Julia Roberts I watched 2001's frailty um with um Bill Paxton Bill Paxton um who directed and I watched I watched most of this one with Denzel Washington. That was like a supernatural thriller. But I had like 40 minutes left and I was bored. And so I just turned it off. Well, it was okay. What one? Copycat? No. No. Fallen? Yes. I love Fallen. Oh, I got really bored. I was super good and then I got really bored. Denzel and John Goodman? Yeah. How do you get bored in that movie? Oh my God. That's a great movie. I, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Um, I watched most of that movie, um, and I just haven't gone back to it. Maybe I'll go back to it. And then I watched Copycat from 1995. Um, Sleeping with the Enemy was definitely the worst of that bunch. Um, it was not very good. Uh, Safe Haven is a better remake of that movie. That's not actually a remake, but that's all I'll say about that. Copycat was amazing. Um, I loved it. It's, like, if you don't know anything about it, Go in Blind is from 95. Um, Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, Will Patton. Um, Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. 
Dermot Moroni, who is ridiculously attractive always, and I can't handle. It's his lips. It is. Yeah, he has sexy lips. Yeah, it's that, like, scar he has. Yes, it is. And it's the way he talks. Yeah. I've said it multiple times. I have a thing for voices, and he could just talk to me as much as, just. Anywho, really, really good. Super took me by surprise. I am not a Sigourney Weaver fan, but I liked her in this movie. Um, Super good. Definitely watch it. It's on Netflix, um, surprisingly. A plus. A plus from B. Um, I forgot you rewatched Terry Falls. We'll talk about that later. Though, yeah, I rewatched Terry Falls. We, yes, that is streaming on Stars right now. Um, Frailty was really good. I didn't love the ending, but the farther away I am from it, the finer I am with it. Mm-hmm. It was a really weird structured sentence, but very very good another and fantastic cast i, I mean just paxton and mcconaughey yeah i love um, anything mcconaughey's in he's so good yeah and let's see oh and then to end it oh i watched the love witch it was fine it's an homage 60s, 60s era like that kind of psychedelic yeah. like um very sexy <laughs> yeah um it was yeah it was an homage to a film so much that it was to its detriment. Um, it was fine. It, I think it's worth watching. Um, it is streaming on Amazon Prime and Shutter. And then I watched The Long Shot. Which and I, I actually both watched that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a new romantic mm, dramedy. I, I mean, it's kind yeah, of a, it's a yeah, rom-com. Yeah. It really is. I mean, light on the com- comedy, but. It's pretty funny though. I mean, actually, I mean, not light on the comedy. It's no, a rom com. Yeah, it's a rom com. Yeah. yeah, Jonathan Levine directed. Um, so he did all the boys, um, Love Manny Lane. So tie back to our show. Mm-hmm. And then he also did Fifty Fifty, which yes. is JGL and Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's done a variety of stuff. Warm Bodies, The Night Before, Snatched, The Wackness. I like almost all of his movies. Yeah, I haven't seen Snatch. I haven't either, but the rest I've seen. But I've and seen like, everything and liked everything else. Warm so. Bodies is the weakest yes. for me there, but yeah. Good. Um, but super funny and yeah. just really charming, and I love Seth Rogen forever. He is my type of humor. I love all of his movies. Absolutely, a hundred percent. He's like, amazing. The the more the more his career chugs along, the more I'm like, I love you. I love your writing. Uh-huh. Um, I think I love you're your hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no, he's fantastic yeah uh, super good great i mean you should watch it i'm not a Excellent. huge charlie saren fan fan either but i really liked her in this she's very i really like her she's actually i forget about her but i like her a i lot. forget about her <laughs> but when i see her i'm like oh yeah you're good i really hated fate of the furious so maybe that's oh like... i really liked young adult oh yeah i like that one like and i lot. like um well it's diablo cody too so yeah um and atomic blonde was great uh, uh mad max Fury road obviously oh yeah yeah uh, maybe I do like her more than yeah. I thought. Oh, I don't like Hancock. Monster, that movie's fucked up, but so good. Oh, I like so Snow White's and the Huntsman. She's fine in that. Oh, I saw the sequel to that. I forgot that that existed. She's in that thing you do? What? I don't remember that. Anywho. All right, so now, enough, enough, enough about the stuff you Ugh. Okay. Um, no, I mean, it's great. Uh, so the movie this week is Cheerleader Camp from 1988. This movie is two months older than me came out in july of 1988 i wish it had been called by its alternative title because it's excellent bloody (laughs) pom-poms bloody pom-poms is the alternative title yeah i like that better so um this is a synopsis from imdb and it's really funny and so i just kept it in there because why the hell not 
Allison follows her friends to a summer camp for cheerleaders, but she is having bad nightmares. Her boyfriend has followed her to camp, but he seems to be more interested in the other girls. Girls who sooner or later are found brutally murdered. Allison starts to believe that she has a split personality who kills them. What the? F- <laughs> okay, that's kind of the plot of this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, mean l- loosely. Sure, that's what happens. He's on the cheerleading team, to be fair. Yes. He didn't follow her there. He's a cheerleader. Yeah, he's like definitely on the team. I really like this interpretation, though, of what happened. Yeah. Because, honestly, sure. Sure. That, that could have really been what happened. Yeah. Uh, it was released, th- limited theatrical release. My guess on the limited would be a theater. Uh, June 1st, 1988, but the release was not expanded due to distribution company going bankrupt, which is also why a sequel was never officially made. Uh, B is very sassy in our notes this week. The budget was, who knows in all caps, and the box office is, my guess is $37. I feel like that's a generous estimation. I mean, it's probably not far off. You know, 1988, two like, theaters, yeah. six bucks a ticket. No, we're not know. six bucks. Like, like three bucks? Yeah, like yeah. three. Yeah. Matinee is like $1.50. I'm being nice. Um, The reception, I couldn't find much about it. So All Movie wrote, Cheerleader Camp won't hold pleasure for any except their most dedicated Z-level celebrity watchers. I love that they're saying that we would this watch this for, for Leif Garrett. Yeah. For Leif Garrett. That's why we're watching this movie. Because yep. it's the Z-level celebrity watcher. Not because, like, you're a slasher, like, a diehard slasher fan. No, because you're in it for Leif Garrett. Yeah, you're like, oh, fuck, I need to watch Leif Garrett ten years past his prime. And uh, Jiffy Pop Culture, a.k.a. Brennan. Our producer. S- says, cheerleader camp is a weak, late entry in the slasher genre, but it's silly enough to be diverting. I agree, Brennan, but then I don't agree. Rating, 6 out of 10. Um, your rating does not match your 6 review, out of 10? But, you know, that's fine. That's a D. Your review <laughs> suggests an F, sir. Um, oh, man. Okay, let's go into something positive. This dope-ass poster. This poster is very good. So, it was designed by a Morgan Weistling. And amazingly, I actually found some information. So looks like he did the posters for Last Action Hero, The Santa Claus, and Lost World, the Jurassic Park. Um, extremely talented illustrator. I think, from what I could find, he's now like a contemporary painter and does like a lot of gorgeous paintings. But this poster um, is dope. Uh, it has the issues I have with, like, Slaughter High, where I've got a skull cheerleader, and that's not the movie. So I will just take it and be kinder in this situation and go, it's an interpretation of, like, the fact that the cheerleaders are dead. So that's fine. I can allow for that artistic, um, you know metaphor with the cheerleaders you got some underboob which is very appropriate for this film but what's going on in the background mm-hmm. is amazing um you've got the mascot being chased by the cook with a cleaver you've got a dead body hanging out of the barn you've got in the bottom right hand you've got some legs and like the little cheerleader megaphone hanging um you've got cheerleaders che- cheerleading in the background you've got leaf garrett with some girl in a bikini and his creepy pedo friend, like, filming with him with his, like, snorkel camera. Oh, my God, yeah. It's amazing. Like, all of this is so well done and actually, like, has little snippets that all are so true to the film. It's, I really like it. And yeah. 
And it like feels I, very 80s. Which it is, does. It's well illustrated. I I do... I You actually don't really see a lot of posters that give, like, this much idea of what the, is in the film. Usually it's really generic, like Slaughter High. And that's why I think the whole skull imagery... Skull, not school... Um, imagery is fine on this because I think, you know, it's playing with the idea that these cheerleaders are dying. They're, Mm -hmm. they're dead. Um, which is a, you know, a nice way to put it. The tagline, give me a K, give me an I, give me an L, give me an L. Competition was murder at cheerleader camp. It's fantastic. A plus, A plus work team. A plus poster. Yes. That's Um, the last of the A pluses. Yeah. It's the last uh, of the A's. The the other tagline that's not on the poster that was used was some girls would kill to be cheerleaders, which I also love because, um, yeah, that's sort of like the dream, right? Always when, at least when you're a girl, like that's the popular girls. That's the, like, that's the status. You want to be a cheerleader. Um, And so it's a great tagline that fits in with the slasher. I guess the sequel is planned by the producers, but it was scrapped and they made an unrelated film called Camp Fear. Um, and a film was shot in 2014 based on the original Cheerleader Camp 2 outline, and it's called Cheerleader Camp to the Death. Which some sick part of me wants to watch just to see, because it actually is based on the sequel that they put into this movie. But I don't know if I have it in me for that kind of Schroeder fraud anymore. Um, well, here's the thing: it was made in 2014, so there's a difference between a, uh, you know, Z level movie made in the 80s and a Z level movie made in 2014. You there's some level of like charm, just because it's 30 years old. That doesn't exist for a movie that's five years old. No, and then also everything ever since like you can do it yourself like Uh since shot on video exists Uh it's the production quality is so bad because at least with things like in the 80s it's not till the end tail end of the 80s that you started to see shot on video where it was literally like the vhs yes yeah so like any movie you see no matter how bad it is had some sort of like production budget behind it and it was being filmed with like a real camera yeah so that's why a movie even like this like feels like a movie mm-hmm. but then you watch like movies from the 90s yeah, shot on video oh they're and so you're bad. just like what the fuck this looks like somebody's home video yeah and it's because they are they're somebody they're basically somebody's home video yeah uh john quinn is our director this was his debut he would direct 20 he would he, he's gone on to direct 22 more things it's mostly softcore porno uh some, more stuff with topless women as b calls it with names such as sex court the movie sexy urban legends <laughs> Which now I have to watch. <laughs> sexy oh Urban God. Legends? That's fantastic because that's like all those fucking Halloween costumes. It's like Sexy Freddy. It's yeah. Like, it's, this is oh Urban Legends. Oh my God. I've never sexy. wanted to watch a softcore porn more than I want to see all of those sexy Halloween costumes like a Halloween party porn. Yes. I In all those versions of costumes. Yeah, and all the sexy costumes. Uh-huh. Which are, are always great because it's just like either really tight fitting or like the freddy one is basically the shirt so big it's a dress <laughs> yeah it's like a dress and it's got like shreds in it and then you only wear like one glove and yeah. like a hat yeah and it's yeah like a fedora it's and not for whatever reason the sexy um michael where you wear like an oversized hockey jersey oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because you know michael 
are wears that all the time. It's really weird. Um, yeah. So that's what he did. The director, I mean, the writers were David Lee Fine, who now works with Sound Department, and he's actually gone on to, gone on to have a pretty successful career in that. Um, he did the work on a lot of Star Trek movies, Star mm-hmm. Trek Beyond, First Contact, Generations. He's won two primetime Emmys, so he's done very well in that department. And then he co-wrote with R.L. O'Keefe, and this is his only credit ever. Uh, the score was Joel Hamilton and Muriel Hodler Hamilton. Uh, they have a handful of credits. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It is a very redundant, and it's redundant and not mem- like memorable. At least Slaughter High is memorable. Like I'll never forget the score to Slaughter High, but this one is like, and it's it barely exists. Anytime there's a moment of suspense, it sounds like they basically use the four same keys on some organ to like kind of elicit Got like a keyboard, that. Probably. Yeah, so it's bad. It's super forgettable. It's very repetitive. Not not good. <laughs> Not uh, good. The cinematographer, oh wow, shocker! Did Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight? Jason takes Manhattan. I will never like that movie. I'm sorry. And then I don't know what the hell VIP or Invasion are. I don't know. That's what he's known for. I wonder if Invasion is a TV show. Brian England. Brian England. Yeah. The editor, wow, you're including everyone nowadays. Yeah. Jeffrey Reiner is a director producer, did Friday Night Lights and The Affair. Wow, so he's gone on to do really big stuff. He's got a Golden Globe Peabody, graduated from Tisch. Yeah. Wow. It's always interesting when you do see that, when you see like these guys where they started. <laughs> because they go on, like a lot of them do go on to have very successful careers, usually not in, or sometimes not in the field that they started in, or just like they've obviously like, they kind of got their chops starting on these projects and were able to come up. Yeah, I didn't think it was fair to only talk about, like, the editor, the cinematographer, like, when they were big enough or something. And I was like, no, we should always talk about them. Those are important roles in a film. No, absolutely. Especially with how much, like, especially with how much you and I, like, dive into, like, the editing of a mm-hmm. movie. Because it can totally change the tone. Yeah. And, like, so much gets... Uh, I still know out. what you did. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> No, it's very true. Uh, Big-ass cast, not a whole lot of people worth mentioning. Um, Betsy Russell is the star's Alison Wentworth. She goes on to be in... She is actually in like a lot of the Saw movies. She's in Saw 3, 4, and 5 as Jill. Um, Leif Garrett, the one-hit wonder from the 70s who had the I Was Made for Dancing disco song. Um, Which we just listened to it, and I already cannot tell you what it sounds like. For some reason, that song enters like, my brain... I- was made for dancing. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, maybe. And then the next lyric in my head is, and dancing was made for you. Which I know is wrong. So (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But something about that song, I hear it. I'm like, oh yeah, all right. This isn't that bad. It's catchy. Like, yeah, this is super catchy. But then instantly a different song like goes into my head immediately. And that one just like dissipates into the atmosphere. Yep. No um anyhow he's also again 10 years past his prime in this and he aged okay listen i don't want to you know no i do knock on people's appearance in this show all the time so whatever he looks weird he has a really really terrible receding hairline with a widow's peak he's supposed to be here's my problem he doesn't look like weird the reason he looks weird the reason he looks weird is because he's supposed to be playing like an, an 18 to 19 year old child in no. this movie He's not supposed to be playing an 18, 19 year old. They're in high school. Yeah. So like a 16, 17 year old. Yeah. 17, and 18. Yeah. Almost. So like, that's what's weird. Because if he was playing 
it playing an adult and dressed like an adult, you'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. But the fact that he's in like all these like cheerleader uniforms and and you're like, well, that man is clearly almost forty, and these people are not. So uh, it's so off putting. Uh, Lucinda Dickey, who was in Greece too, uh, as Corey. Um, no, but who is she in Greece too? She's a girl greaser. <laughs> um, Lori Griffin is Bonnie Reed, and she was like the main love interest in Teen Wolf before he figures out that he's not interested in her and he wants Boo instead. George Buckflower is Pop. Bees note once again. <laughs> Rye says he pro fresh bum. He is a professional bum. He's been in a ton of movies as a bum. Made his career playing a bum. He's in Back to the Future, They Live, Starman, The Fog. He's in a ton of movies, works with John Carpenter a bunch. And if you look through his filmography, like pretty much every credit is like bum, drifter, vagabond. Um, so he that's what he got typecast as. Professional. Um, and then there's a ton of other people that we don't need to mention. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people in this movie. One of them is dead. That's what these just, notes are. I didn't put that there. I just realized. That was definitely copy and paste. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> now deceased. Oh, my God. As of May 31st, 2017. Sorry. I thought that was really important to note. <laughs> R.I.P. Jeff Pittman. Yeah. I'm sorry. At least you got to have sex in a film. That's true. And you made a bunch of like football metaphors while doing it. Yeah. So. It is a teen scream. Yeah. With people in their late 30s. I mean, like, okay, I know that the 90s were, like, really terrible for that. Like, yeah. Like, so Kevin bad. Kevin Williamson's to blame for that. He really is. But no one looked like this. Like, you can, like, well, they'll pass. the problem is there are high schoolers in this movie. They're, like, all the backup cheerleaders and stuff are actual high school students. So when you see them and then you see the main cast, you're like, wait a second. Why are you all, like... 10, 15 years older than these people. Oh, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, the killer is Corey, played by Lucinda Dickey. Her motive is uh, she just... B, these notes. God damn. I didn't read these notes. B's note is girl just wants to dance in all caps, which is essentially true. She's tired of being put down as the mascot. Um, they never let her dance, even like other girls are missing. She's like, I'll suit up. And they're like, no, you're just a mascot. Yeah, for whatever reason, the camp leader is like very anti oh she's anti-mascot and yeah. anti-mascot and she's like no you have to eat with your mask on you have to be an alligator she does say you're a mascot not a human <laughs> yeah. it's a real line in the movie that like she tells her so she's a psycho yeah and she also loses the mascot contest so she's like really bummed even though she's like it's rigged like she's really dude the she's best. so good she break dances i think she's this actress is actually a professional dancer she, when i looked yeah. at her credits i'm pretty sure she's a dancer she killed it uh she iconic weapon it. i wish it were the bloody pom-poms but they kind of count once again bees no there's not one there no i mean the pom-poms do exist like yeah, the razor blade pom-poms, pom-poms and they're like the sound effect is used a lot of yeah. like those razor blade pom-poms but the body count is nine, which is astronomically high for what you would think after watching this movie, because it feels like one. Um, seven by the killer, one accident, one from our final girl. Oh, God, this movie. Okay. It's basically Porky's for like an hour before anything really happens, um, and it's like a really bad, super misogynistic 
very sexist, gratuitous version of Porky's. And Porky's is already all those things, but, like, worse. Yeah, you know how I always reference that Lumberjack movie I watched? Yeah, the weird Lumberjack porno movie. Yeah, um, that's what this one felt. This felt like Lumberjack, but in the 80s. And then when I went and saw what the director had directed later, I'm like, oh, all right, it makes sense. Mm. Because, I mean, th- there's not, like the same type of sex scenes in mm. Lumberjack that are in this. But just the fact that there's just... I don't know what it is about those, like, HBO softcore porns where there's always the creepy guy who stalks... Like, that's how they stumble upon these naked girls all the time. Oh, yeah. And that's literally... They have a character and I don't know his Boyerism name. Boyerism is a very big part of, like, yeah, a lot of these Yeah, and movies. it's literally like, hmm, let me just spy on all the... I'm coming to cheerleader camp just to spy on all these girls. And I'm going to spy on them, um, you know, in their bathing suits naked. And I'm going to spy on them while they're having sex. And I'm going to spy, like, and it's just, there's, like, a good 67, 60 seconds where his ass is literally, like, out. It's just oh, yeah, Timmy, not good. Timmy Moser, that's yeah. the character's name, played by Travis McKenna. Um, oh, yeah. I remember I mean, when I looked yeah. up. He's in Batman Returns. He's in quite a few movies. <laughs> As the fat clown. Yeah, no, I mean, they like, the the tone of the movie is set right from the beginning, because it's like yeah. all the girls in the van, and they pull up, and he sticks his butt out, and he gets stuck in the window, and then he farts on the, like, camp uh-huh. leader, and, and like, as soon, it's very odd. As soon as they get there, like, um, Alice and Brent are together, but Brent, like, immediately starts hitting on other women, like, all the other cheerleaders, and I mean by, like, by all the other cheerleaders, even though there's, like, eight mascots there, it seems like there's only one other cheerleading team, like, two mascots. Yeah, it's very confusing. It does not set the scene very well. Um, they don't care. No, like, no, 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 to no, no. set the scene of the fact that, like, this really could just be a camp. I mean... This could have been kids going camping. Yeah. Like, really, it doesn't matter. It could have been... A group of friends, one is the most popular, they're popular girls, and one is not as popular, and it would have been in the same movie. Yeah. It's the, the cheerleader thing, it just seems like it's sort of just in there to give an excuse for the girls to be hotter and more competitive, and, and you know. Yeah, like, in cheerleader outfits, yeah. and dancing. Yeah. And yeah, just to have a more misogynistic <laughs> point of view. Yeah, so, basically... The, after we get a lot of just men staring and leering at women creepily including the sheriff yeah the sheriff and uh, there's like you know some sex scenes that are like really goofy like super goofy sex scenes like we said the sheriff has sex with the camp um actually that happens after the first death but like yeah the even the sex scenes he's making like weird football metaphors it feels like like what those old like meatballs those type of comedies from that era um just like raunchy sex comedies and we finally get into like the kills where it's not even a kill but basically uh what's our main character's name i keep forgetting um allison allison yeah allison starts having weird dreams that uh and she basically has a dream that's kind of like a vision that she has killed uh one of the rival cheerleaders named Susie because and it's kind of because like Susie is also like has been hitting on her boyfriend and like she's that's like, like the rival cheerleader. Yeah, and then they come to find out that Susie killed herself. She slit her wrists. Um... Let me tell you the amount of alarm that goes up in this cheerleader camp when a when one of the students slits her wrists is non-existent. Yeah, there is a three-minute camp council meeting 
where um, our, you know, Miss Tipton, I think her name is. Yeah. Yeah, gives a, a very brief, this is tragic, and but, you know, there was a lot wrong with her, so... Um, well, yeah, and she explains, so the police do, do get called at some point, and she explains to the sheriff that in order to protect her job, she didn't want to report Susie's death until the program was finished. Mm-hmm. And then they have sex. Yeah, and then they have sex, yeah. Um, and then, like, this is where we get, like, the whole weird mascot thing. It shows all the mascots eating in their costumes. Um, yeah, there's, it's... Like, she literally puts the cheerleader on ice. Um, And then, yeah, so they're filmed, like, our creepy character, Timmy, films the lead, uh, Miss Tipton, and the sheriff having sex, which they they end up showing at the, like, the movie night. Yeah, a sex tape that gets shown, like, as a joke later. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and this whole time, like, Allison just keeps, pretty much before somebody's killed, Allison has a nightmare about it. Yeah. So, our next person to die um, is Pam, and, like, the day before she dies, Allison has a nightmare in which, like, Pam and Brent are, like, having sex. Yeah, and And it's very odd, because it's, like... These are the best part of the movies, her nightmares. Because they're so surreal and and bizarre, because this one, it's, like, the four adult, quote-unquote, adult characters in the movie, so it's, like, the weird chef, the sheriff... Um, the, the Mrs. Tipton, they're all like standing around Brett and Pamela having sex and they're just chanting at, like a cheerleader style chant. They're doing, doing it, doing it hard, hard. Yeah. And then the mascots are just like dancing around. Yeah. It's so good. It's my favorite part of the movie. It, yeah. Um, and it's, it's super weird and, but like you said, it's, it is the only part of the movie that works. That feels like a real horror movie. I, I mean, and then the kills, but the kills are so like momentary um but yeah so she so the next day brent does plan on having sex with pam yes. and they go like out to the woods and then they like fight over something and he leaves her out there yeah um and then she gets um chased down and she's murdered with uh garden cheers so that's our next person to die and the garden cheers like go through the back of her head like through her mouth yeah through her mouth it's it's a pretty cool like yeah. scene it's definitely one of the like that the kill effects aren't terrible in this one at all um they're definitely like when they're good they're really good like this one in particular and then when timmy dies is pretty solid there's a uh yeah so there's like some good stuff in this and this was the first part this was literally the first part of the movie which is probably well over an hour into it where i was like oh this is okay like that's something yeah uh, there's more, you know, inane character stuff. They, we spend a lot of time at this, like, cheer competition that yeah. they do over the course of a night. And, like, um, Pam is just, like, really stressed out because, uh, or not, not Pam. Um, Teresa's, like, super stressed out because Pam's not there. So they have to do the routine without her. And, like, the other, they literally show, like, the other cheer routine. They show the mascots routine. And then they lose. And then there's this whole thing called, um, Cheer Queen. Mm-hmm. where they all like line up and they choose by applause who the cheer queen is and um what's her name ends up winning cheer queen the girl from teen wolf again i just like their names are so i don't remember it um bonnie so bonnie ends up winning and then um 
Teresa's again just like she can't focus so she leaves to go to try to find Pam she's like there's no reason she'd be gone this long something is wrong I know something is wrong um, so she goes like out into the woods to find Pam and she does find her body up against a tree and then it is immediately pretty much found by the killer and she gets crushed against a tree which again pretty solid like once the van is gone like it's pretty much yeah her gut spilling out which yeah. is like a good like post death yeah it's because like this the top half of yeah. her body um timmy is about to go have sex with another cheerleader and he like co- co- his hands are like covered in blood and that he's found Teresa's body and then that's when brent announces that there's a killer on the loose so all the panic like all the cheerleaders panic and like leave um our cheerleader camp uh counselor miss tipton the only a uh, seeming like leadership figure there she's drunk and she goes to look for pam in the woods and she is also soon hacked in the back by the killer with a meat cleaver um it's it's weird too like they all the other cheerleaders leave but then like the ones from our cheerleading camp are all, all still, still left there. yeah it's like the other ones were like yeah let's get the fight they like just disappear and then it's we're just left with like the main yeah cast and it's kind of because they're running all around trying to find their friends that have gone missing by the time they get to their car it's been tampered with so it like doesn't work um they all like end up running in different directions allison runs the van and she's met with um she meets with brent bonnie and Corey, and that's when they like realize that timmy's gone so they go and they find his video camera in the woods and he's they go to watch it like they go back to the cabin to watch this videotape they have to hook it up it's pretty funny like they have the whole like wires to the tv and of course pervo timmy is giving some monologue about how he's going to take his wiener out of his pants he i think the line is literally like i think there's a monster in the woods i think it's coming out and then he he turns away from the camera yeah he was like getting ready to like film himself jerking it up yep a hundred percent and then he turns back and he gets sliced in the stomach and like basically his guts fall out which again was a pretty solid um pretty solid kill it's it's they all fall at at once though which i thought was funny there's no like entrails or anything it's like one big it's almost like just his gut of his stomach i mean i think that was like sort of part of the humor yeah uh so the force had a booty a a booty (laughs) trap yeah 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 pretty much they set a booby trap using a bear trap they think they kill the killer but it's just the sheriff um yeah it's like they get him like oh yeah we got him and they flip him around and it's like oh no it's the sheriff yeah it's on his head like it's on his face the the bear trap is uh they finally run into pop who is again that is uh you know george buckflower the professional hobo uh and he has a shotgun and he thinks it's them and they think it's him, so they shoot him. Well, yeah, because, like, Corey stumbles it upon them, and, like, she's, like, saving Brent, who's, like, gonna get stabbed. Or not no, stabbed, shot. shot. Yeah, so she shoots yeah. Pop, thinking, or, well, not thinking, well, not but thinking. knowing she's saving Brent. Yeah. Here's the weird part. So they think it's him, so now they all go back to the cabin, and Brent still tries to have sex with her. Uh, he tries to have sex with Allison. Like, he makes, like, Corey and Bonnie go call the police. And he literally starts saying stuff like, why don't you guys go call the... They're all sitting by a campfire. Or, a, like, a, a a fireplace. And he's like, go call the police. And he's like, and you know, like, take your time. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you fucking for real? Like, everyone you know 
has just been murdered. You have found bodies. You have seen your friend murdered on videotape. The person you're trying to have sex with just killed someone. Oh, no, that's Corey. But your friend just killed someone with a revolver. And now you're going to try to have sex with this woman. You're an awful man. Yeah, I like how in the like synopsis it says, um, he attempts to have sex with her, but she resists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, of course, gets mad. And then Corey stumbles in and saying that Bonnie's gone now. So Brent goes to look for her. This, this whole thing is so ridiculous. The whole movie is like, just like one person coming in, two people leaving, one coming back going, I don't know where this person is. And then the other, like, as soon as the kills start rolling, that's what the whole movie turns into. Because yeah. the cast is, it's big but the cast that they play around with is pretty small and like once they start killing those main characters it just turns into because they still for some reason are trying to play with the mystery trying to oh they like try and make you think like 10 different people are the killer like the whole time yeah because someone's always leaving and then coming back and someone else is gone it's like oh it's the cook it's the sheriff it's brent it's allison I mean, that's, like, the big thing. It's, like, oh, Al- Allison thinks it's her, you know, that she's, like, having these dreams and she's, yeah. like, crazy. The writer and director and... want us to think it's Allison. Yeah. Not for a single second. If you've watched any Maybe. horror movies, do you feel like it is Allison? No. Um, Brent goes to look for Corey, where Allison says that she thinks Brent, uh, or Corey tells Allison she thinks Brent is the killer. And then, basically, Corey frames Brent um, over, standing over Bonnie's corpse and makes Allison kill him. But when the cops show up, um, they charge Allison with the murders and because Corey has basically framed her. And then we find out, of course, that Corey is our killer because she wanted to be the head cheerleader. And then there's this – this is the only other scene that really worked for me too because it should be like a dream scene or like some weird like almost like post-credit – or not post-credit stinger but like stinger. But really, truly what happens is while Allison is being put into the ambulance and they're telling her like what happened and why they are charging her and that Corey is the one who told them it was her, as this is happening at sunrise, Corey gets into a cheerleading outfit and does a cheer. And it feels like very dreamlike. It's almost like a, a scene from Nightmare. But the, the ambulance just straight up like pulls away as she's cheering in the background. Um, so And like as Allison is screaming, it was Corey, it was Corey. Um, and so she's left being left the only person left at the camp. And she is now a cheerleader like she always wanted to be. This movie is bad. It is really bad. I don't like it. <laughs> It's very boring. Um, it's... I know. It's... If we gave you any sort of semblance that it's, like, fun, it's not. Like, I did not have fun with this movie. I felt offended a lot of the time. I was often just, like, really confused about what was happening because we have a bunch of women with similar names who kind of look the same, and then they're being killed off, and, like, some of the kills are pretty solid... Um, but for the most part, there's just so much stuff in between that is so just not, it's just nothing that held my attention. Yeah. It's like, I liked what I did like was sort of like the dream stuff. And I liked the actual killing the, everything else in between is so like 
they try and cram so much in like oh there's this competition but there's no real lead up you never know like in the movie that they're like really working towards that you don't ever feel any stakes it's just nothing's established enough for you to care like the best part of slashers for me is that you get to know these characters you get to have like comedic light moments with them and then you watch them get killed one by one that's what gives it suspense and um grounds it and lets you have an emotional reaction in a variety of ways this when you have and I think that's why I have a harder time because that's why I love slashers which is definitely more of like the post-scream generation Mm -hmm. where slashers like this it's really you're just in it for the ride but and I'm okay with that I can get down for a ride yeah 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 um but I just feel like I'm like man this could have like if they would have just spent more time developing like an actual script I might have had more fun with this yeah, or even if they had just gone, like, fully bonkers. Um, right. Like... Just made the whole thing. There were some cool kill effects. Just, like, yeah. really lean into those. Um, I mean, there are definitely movies that we have watched that we've enjoyed that are kind of, like, really wacky. We like The Carpenter. We, I mean, we, for the most part, like, like Blood Rage. We like Curtains. Like, there's not a lot of, like, any of those character beats or development, but those movies have something that, like, make them... Keeps you interested. Yeah, it keeps you interested because they're so off-tilt, and this is a very generic movie. It is 100%, like, obvious that you are there to ogle women. It is the, it is the movie that gives slasher movies the stereotypes that exist within slasher movies, and it, uh, it just doesn't... Again, I do... Like B said, the dream things are cool, and the kills are cool, but it doesn't do that enough to keep me super interested. Like, immediately after we watched, because B and I were just talking for, like, an hour after, there was a YouTube, because we could only find this on YouTube, there was, it was like someone edited the movie down to just the sex and the kills. And, like, of course, like, again, the sex stuff, we were like, ugh, this is gross. Um, but, like, just the kill stuff, and it was fun. It was like, watching all those back-to-back, you're like, oh, this isn't bad because yeah. this is the stuff that's like the good part of the movie um but yeah just overall as a as a slasher movie it just uh is very again i think it is these are the movies that gave slashers those like tropes of being like boobs and about sex and well yeah and this is like very late late in the boom. yeah i mean this is the like boom started right. in 81 this is the tail end of it absolutely yeah um our final girl is allison yeah um she's she's actually she's fine she's pretty likable no she's definitely likable um she's pretty competent yeah um i definitely like that she spurns brent the whole movie because he's a jackass and she like never def she definitely like never like cowtails to him um she's got a solid scream on her just good scream queen like she got some good screams good screams like i like her whole dilemma like am i the killer is this me like that's fun i like that mm-hmm. i think I they did a good job with her they should have done like more of that yeah and especially with those dream sequences um favorite kill um i mean for me it's easy i i mean probably temmy Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we do hate him. I really hate him so much. Like, so, <laughs> so, so much. I was like, I think, I'm like, if he doesn't die, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Um, 
So I love that he died. That was great. And I just, it was gross, which was appropriate. Right. Like, I genuinely was like, oh, we just rewatched it, like, before we started filming. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's, like, a pretty gross effect. Like, just his entire gut just spilling out of him. Yeah, it was actually like, grosser than I remembered. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's pretty effective and just very true to the character. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Good riddance. Uh, my name's Pam. I mean, I'm just yeah. a sucker for, like, a really solid, like, I love unconventional weapons. And the, it was really smart, I thought, to come up. They do the POV shot from behind, and then the shears come out from the front of her face. So, uh, there are, B put, uh, she blocked out all the dialogue, which I mostly did, too. But luckily, I took notes. So, there are two lines in this movie that really, really stand out. Uh B, if you want to handle one, I will handle the other. So pick, pick your poison. Oh, Lord. Um, more about the team and less about getting honey on her muffin. Yep, that was... I don't even know what that was in reference to. It had to be someone talking to one of the guys, right? No. No. It was about a girl talking to a girl, yeah. Um, which makes it grosser, actually. I don't know, but I don't know who said it, because like I said, I, gen- I have no memory of that line. But it's gross. Uh, so I don't ever need anything. Like, stop using food as references. Now every time I want to eat a honeyed muffin, I thought it was a buttered muffin, right? That's from Mean Girls. I mean, do you like somebody I guess to be assigned a to you to butter your muffin? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, just muffins, I guess. So our good old character George Buckflower has a line in this because the whole movie he's pretty much you can't understand anything he says. He talks like Boomer from King of the Hill. But we did understand one line, um, and it was when they're watching the girls, and he says, oh, man, that'll make your pee-pee harder than a 10-pound bag full of nickel jawbreakers. Oh, make your pee-pee harder than a 10-pound bag nickel jawbreakers. What a line. I love that it's not just than a 10-pound bag. Of nickel jawbreakers. It's so specific on it's every... wildly specific. I just like... It's like... Not just jawbreakers. The five cent ones. <laughs> Those five cent jawbreakers. Uh, there's no position for this in the horror landscape. It is a completionist movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, be put, basically have to be a diehard slash fan. Yes. I think that is exactly what yeah. it is. I think you could get sucked in from the cover. Great, beautiful yeah. poster. Um, so I think like that would draw you in, especially, you know, like I, we we all know what it's like to be a horror fan and just exploring and being like, I just want something like, whatever, sure, I'll pick this. Um, but it is, man, it is scraping at the bottom of the barrel. If you guys are listening for the first time at the end of every episode, we do rank our movies. You can find that list at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, our number one for a long time now has been My Bloody Valentine from 1981. I think that's since February because we covered it for Valentine's Day. February of last year. Of last year. And then um, at the bottom is April Fool's Day, followed um, with Girls' Night Out and Cry Wolf right above. Um, wow. I have to put this, I would say, at 42. Wow. You have such a specific number. Well, because... We have a lot of movies that we don't like, but like the like Happy Death Day to You, we love, but it's just like basically not a slasher movie. And Cry Wolf is barely a slasher movie. Girls Night Out is barely a slasher movie. Hateful Fool's Day hints mm. at being a slasher movie. So they are at the bottom of the list no matter what because they're just. I mean, yeah. or 
I mean, I, I mean, think it's yeah. I think it's uh, at least as bad as Blood Knight. God, I hate that movie too. Yeah, I I might put it at forty two because but, it does at least do some more slashery stuff than Mischief Night. Because the kills at least are cool, like we actually get some kills, and then the nightmare sequences are are effective. Yeah, it's probably a better slasher than Mischief Night. Oh God, am I gonna say it's better than Blood Knight? It might be. I um, might like it more. Huh? Yeah, I might like it more. <laughs> well, I really that's hate not that hard to do. Uh, um, but is it better, slasher wise? No, I no, think. No. I think Legend. The only thing that I think works better for this film as this well. I don't know. My memory's fuzzy on Blood Knight. Uh, it sucks. Um, well, I remember not liking it, but I have. A... It's like the same thing. It's like, but it's like we didn't like it because it's overuse of sexuality, um, and then we even said it has a lack of on-screen kills. A ton of people die, but they're right, mostly but killed off-screen. Oh man, I don't want to put this above Blood Knight, but I actually think it might be. Just because, as far as slashers go, we at least get the kills. We at least get the nightmare stuff. We at least get a final girl that we... Remember the final girl in that is just super unforgettable. Or, uh, I mean, yeah. super forgettable. Super... Like, oh, she yeah. basically no, falls into that. the role yeah. of being a final girl. She's, she's just, she's like, just the, the last, last one alive. So at least we get that. So maybe it should be... It's not 40. better than the Slaughter High, for sure. But I think I could say it's... Not as good as Prom Night, but better than Blood Night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm fair with that. What is this movie called? Cheerleader Camp. Cheerleader Camp, number 40. Our new number 40. Wow. That's higher than I thought it was going to be. I really just want to put it freaking last. It's not... I guess I didn't hate it as much as Girls Night Out. It's close. No. It's close, though. Yeah. It's... You, it's... I mean, and you guys might like it. You know, like, like we said, the kills are at least fun. Um, it's just getting there is yeah. so ridiculous and b and i just get turned off by like really blatant misogyny so yeah and i just don't like that type of humor and and of course like i've mentioned before somehow this is one of the ones that my husband watched with us always <laughs> he picks the worst the ones we always like don't like those are the ones he ends up watching with us yeah, he just true. stumbles upon them i'm really happy yeah. i got you to put the mutilator so high on this list because i know you don't care for that movie a lot but anyways yeah i know it's just not like one of your favorites uh so yeah it's our new number 40 um cool so there's that again uh we've talked about it a couple times so we're gonna have a bonus episode we'll have our satanic panic hopefully somewhere in september and then we do have our um you know calendar kind of booked up and if you want to follow along our next two movies will be the house on sorority row and then sorority row the remake from 09 i believe so you can keep up with us if you would like to. And then as we get closer, we'll probably announce what like our October movies are too. So you guys can keep up with those. Correctamundo. And they're going to be fun. So until then, keep screaming.